Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Let's all stand. Let's lift our voices and worship the Lord this morning. Family Fellowship. My name is Joel and I'm one of the pastors here and we are glad that you have chosen to come and worship as the Lord has instructed us to do on the, the Lord's day and I pray that he will bless you for being here and being obedient to the Lord. He's got a word for us from the scripture and I hope you will be attentive to what God has to say. Let me just remind you of something Jesus shared in the uh, sixth chapter of the book of Matthew. You remember that's the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all the other things, the clothing, the, the, the food and the sustenance that we need, those things will be added unto you. And stop worrying about tomorrow. For sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. In other words, there's enough trouble every day without you and I manufacturing it, okay? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And so Father as we come to you this morning as a, a gathered people 
Lord, the, the saints of God who have been saved by grace through the shed blood of Jesus Christ where you have given to us that which you have purchased on the cross of Calvary through your Son, our redemption and our salvation so that we can stand clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you today. And Lord, in a moment when we have baptism, thank you for what it represents, death to an old life, for you bore our sins, and we are now, through faith in Christ, dead to our sins. And you have given to us your righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, so that we are now clothed in new life for, uh, because of our Savior. And so we ask your blessing on this gathering this morning as we seek to honor you as first place in our hearts, minds, and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we have baptism, if you're new to faith family or not a regular attender, uh, there is a little card in front of you in the pew. If you take just a moment and fill it out, just give us an opportunity to say hi and see if we can be of any help or assistance to you. We do also at the end of the service have a text uh, that you can, uh, or a number you can text and just tell us how we can uh, assist you or help you. It's also for our church members as well. If you'll keep us updated on what's going on in your lives and how we can pray for you, we'd appreciate it. And then when you leave, uh, we have offering back baskets at the uh, exits. And if you'd just drop that in, we would appreciate it so much. Uh, believer's baptism is our confession of faith whereby we come and declare indeed that we've died to an old life through Jesus Christ. We're in union with him in his death and we've been raised in union to his life. And so I'm going to ask you to turn your attention to the baptistry as we celebrate baptism of two uh, following Christ. Well, thank you. Welcome, everyone. We... Uh... This is a privilege, it's always a privilege to be able to baptize and to be able to gather and rejoice around what God has done. And so baptism is always something that is supposed to happen after salvation, after what God has already brought about. It is a coming forward publicly to proclaim this is what God has done in my life. And so in my life, I didn't get it on the right side. And I had to come forward a second time requesting baptism because God brought me back to life uh, after, after my first, uh, first baptism. And so it, uh, it is a public profession of faith in Christ. And so the very act of, of submersion underwater displays what spiritually God in Christ has brought about. So we have two two high school students who have coming forward recognizing of what God has done in their lives as they have trusted in Christ and they have trusted in Christ for for a while and they just have not come forward in believers baptism and so they're coming this morning uh, in public profession of what Christ has done in their lives and so uh, if I if Emma would come down Emma they uh, Emma, Emma and her brother Cameron uh, they came about a year ago, and in the middle of COVID and quarantine and all that stuff, moved down from Missouri, and so is, has come forward professing faith in Christ, that Christ has given you life from your sin and from death, and, and uh, you are coming forward professing that and claiming that Jesus has given you life. You've trusted in him. Is that, is that true? It's true. All right. So it is my privilege. I'm going to walk right over here. To baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you are buried in the likeness of Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. So Cameron, you're going to come down also. Same with you. It's great to, to get to know you and to see Christ at work in your life and to have this opportunity as you're coming forward professing that Christ has saved you and given you life and that you trust your life to him. Is that true? That is true. So it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can hold. Yep. There we go. All right. So in the name of Christ, I baptize you. 
you were raised to walk in new supply. Thank you, Kevin. So how about we pray? Let's pray, and then we will continue in, continue in worship. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for uh, this time. God, I thank you for, I thank you that this physical reminder and picture of what you really have done is true, that you enter in to the lives of sinful enemies of you, like me, and you give and reveal your truth and your grace and your goodness, your abundant love for those you have made. And so, Father, I ask that, God, this morning, that you would do that again, that, God, you would proclaim your goodness to us individually from your word. You would draw us, God, some to faith for the first time and some to repentance and to trust in you again. And so, Father, would you bless and would you be with us? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's two weeks in a row we get to see young people come forward and be baptized. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Let's give them another hand. Praise the Lord for that. It's great. Now that you've stood, let's lift up our voices and sing praises to the Father in heaven. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and raise my fears relieve how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are gone I've been set God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing
from scripture we look forward and we see we go through life and life can sometimes get hard and it will get hard if it's not already hard in your life but it's during those times where we can hold fast to the word hold fast to Christ hold fast to him that through all the storms we can say that it is well with our soul so sing this wonderful hymn with us this morning And may God speak to you today through the message that Pastor Joel's going to bring us. Right now, lift up your voices to Christ. He's the one that deserves it. When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea Billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my Bye. 
truth that through faith you and I grab a hold of God's great salvation in his son Jesus Christ but the greater truth is that he grabs hold of you and you are in his grip I don't know about you but uh, sometimes I feel like I've got oil on my hands and uh, holding on to Christ is not uh, uh, where my hope lies my hope lies in the fact that he is now holding on to me and uh, so I want to uh, praise the Lord for that. Uh, do remind our deacons that immediately after the service, we have deacons meeting in the uh, choir room right behind me. And then uh, thir- uh, Wednesday evening, our ladies' Bible studies at 6.30 over at Building E. And then on Thursday evening, our men's study uh, will be at uh, the uh, Family Life Center meeting room, which is in the very back of the facility. If you'll be there, it's also at 6.30. And uh, we are coming to a close on that. I did want to say thanks uh, to Dr. Ab Abercrombie uh, as he continues to uh, give us a lesson every Wednesday night. Uh, it is at our website. If you've not been availing yourself of that, it's rich teaching, uh, biblical counsel on different subjects uh, ranging from uh, uh, marriage to child care to finances and different things from a biblical uh, viewpoint and Dr. Ab we appreciate you doing that for us so much uh, and you continue to pray for Biblical Counseling Institute and avail yourself if you have need for Biblical Counsel of uh, Karen and, and Ab in regard to that. You have a copy of God's Word let me invite you to the book of Second Peter chapter 2 and uh, those of you that were here last Sunday, remember, I didn't finish. And uh, so I'm going to try to finish today. And, uh, and so uh, I, I thought about just moving on, uh, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about false teachers, Lord willing, next Sunday, Memorial Day weekend. That sounds like an exciting subject, doesn't it? And uh, however, we need to have the right attitude about false teachers. And we need to understand that they are abundant around us. And we need to be able to recognize who they are and how we're to respond to false teachers and false teaching. Uh, but today we're talking about uh, God's rescuing of Lot and the, by implication how you and I are rescued by the Lord. And... Uh, as we've been talking about Second Peter in the context of persecution, we are also to see Second Peter in the context of pleasure, the trap of pleasure, uh, the trial, the temptations that come uh, through the pleasures of this world. And so as I read uh, this text, uh, you and I can't help but do it when we look at what Lot was going through as it's recorded in the book of Genesis. So uh, beginning in verse 7 of Second Peter chapter 2, let me read down through verse 10. And it says, And if he, and that is the Lord, if the Lord rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed, and notice the language here, by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day, by, day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds, that he both saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. And let me just pause there because the word trial and temptation in the original text of Scripture are one and the same. So it depends on context as to how we translate it. So then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials or temptations and keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. 
and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and those who defile or despise rather authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Again, let's pray together and ask for the Lord's help. Lord, we come asking you to teach us what we, what we don't know. And Lord, we ask you to, to help us to be what we are not. Because apart from Christ, uh, there abides no good thing within us. And Lord, uh, help us to, to live out in the Christian life what is impossible for us to do in and of our own selves. So we ask you to open the Word of God, speak to us by your Spirit. We would pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Kind of mentioned last week uh, uh, just a short little uh, outline, first of all, of Lot's remorse in regard to the world in which he was living. Uh, you and I struggle with uh, the impurity of ourselves, uh, not to mention the impurities of the world. Uh, system that would entice us away from walking in holiness and integrity with Christ. Uh, and so it was for Lot. You and I struggle with that. And we'll see just briefly what, uh, a reference to that. And secondly, we talked about Lot's righteousness because he's called righteous Lot. And you and I look maybe at what he was going through and you and I could say, well, he could have moved to another city. He could have gotten away from there and and uh, he, yes, he chose to be where he is, and the reality is you've chosen to be where you are. You and I both believe that it's by the directive hand of God that we are where we are. And yet we're part of this world, but we're not to be of it, but separate from it at the same time. The Lord Jesus prayed for his disciples, including us. Not that he would take us out of the world, but that he would keep us, he would hold his hand upon us in in the middle of what we're going through in this life against the struggles, the trials, and the temptations of this world. So our, our, our souls should be troubled like lots were. We should be troubled by sin, uh, both without and within. And uh, that's where I want to remind us that we do have a threefold enemy, uh, in our men's study, we just covered this a few weeks ago. Uh, we have a threefold enemy, and uh, it is the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, you have three enemies two from without, one from within. Uh, there's the world system that is set against Christ. Uh, Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and uh, this whole culture is not in favor of Christ and it doesn't matter whether it's an American culture or if it's a an Afghani culture or wherever you are if it's in China it doesn't matter it's not for Christ it is for man and man apart from Christ but it uh, it is Christ who is for us and we need to be a part of his kingdom and then uh, we have Satan on the outside as well as an enemy and his, uh, his helpers, uh, his minions that uh, do his bidding, those fallen angels we call demons. Uh, and sometimes you have thoughts and you think, where in the world does that come from? Uh, and uh, if it's uh, not something you've been thinking about, more than likely it's attacks from without, from our enemy. But then we've got the enemy within, and that's our flesh. And we all struggle with our old Adamic nature, our, our sinful nature. It's still in there. In Christ, as believers, we have a new nature that's put within us. And like Paul talked about, the war that was going on within him, we all, as believers, have that war battling within us. And it is Christ in us battling against our flesh. And so... Uh, we understand that. Ephesians talks about those three things in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 2. Uh, yeah, verse 2, it says, You once walked following the course of this world. And so we're talking about this world system. Following, number 2, the devil, the prince of the power of the air. And then in verse 3, it says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh so they're all three in scripture 
And they're all three in uh, a, a very existential experience that you go through every day of your life. There's not a day go by that you're not going to face those three enemies. If you live and breathe, you will struggle against the three enemies. And, uh, and yet we have this promise, and that's where I want us to kind of hang our hat this morning, on verse 9 of chapter 2. And what does it say? But the Lord, but God does what? Knows how to rescue the godly ones from trials and or temptations. God knows how to do that. God has a way to rescue us. The Lord Jesus knew what it was like to be tested by those three things in the wilderness temptations that he had with Satan. You remember that? He was led forth by the Spirit into temptation. You know, sometimes you and I just kind of toss in the hat. We kind of give up when trials come or when temptations come and you and I might say to ourselves, I thought I was a better Christian than to have to struggle with something like this. And yet when you and I look at what Jesus went through, we ought to be at least encouraged a little bit. Jesus was led by the Spirit into what? Trials and temptations. So again, if, if, if you have life within you, you're going to struggle with trials and temptations. They're going to be a lot that you're going to encounter. And uh, like I say, it's going to be on a regular basis. And so to encourage us, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Just as the Lord Jesus was rescued by his Father's care as he walked through those trials and temptations in the wilderness. Remind you of what Paul encouraged us with as he was writing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation is taken you but such as is common to man. Uh, I'm, I'm the baby of my family, okay, the youngest, and my wife is always reminding me that I feel like I've got to be special. I don't know why she says that. She's an only child. Wow, what a marriage we must have, huh? And, uh, and, and, and uh, sometimes I'll go, I don't know why I'm going through this. And she'll say, do you think you're special or something? As if you're the only one that has this trial. It's a great reminder. And that's exactly what God's saying here. <laughs> you think your trial is, is unique to you? You think others don't go through the same kind of trials and difficulties? Do you think Billy Graham, when he walked on the earth, kind of walked like three feet above the ground? Or Paul or Peter? And you go, well, no, I know Peter didn't. But, uh, uh, but guess what? You are a lot like Peter. I'm a lot like Peter. We go through these trials. There's no temptation that you have that overtakes you, but such that it is common to man. But notice the language. Who's faithful? God is faithful. Are you faithful? Some of the time. Some of the time you and I are faithful. God calls us to be faithful. And in that faithfulness we often fail, but who never fails us? It is God Himself. God is faithful. Who will not let you be tempted or tried beyond your ability, but will with the temptation... He will also provide the way of escape that you may be abled or enabled, as it were, to endure it. So the idea isn't that you're always going to be snatched out of that temptation or snatched out of that trial. There are going to be times you're going to be enabled to go through that temptation or go through that trial. They're both there. I know everybody occasionally reads out of your Greek lexicon, right? That's a Greek dictionary. So I looked up the word escape uh, that's found here in the Greek dictionary. And this is what I want to read from a Greek dictionary, okay? There are three meanings to this word escape. Number one is there is an end point of duration. I I heard one amen. So whatever trial or temptation you're going through, this word escape tells you what? There's an end point of duration. It's only going to last for a definite moment of time. 
When you and I look at Job's life and we see what Job went through, there was an end time when God spoke to Job and Job heard the voice of God and he understood the voice of God. And it was a tremendous moment in time and God restored back to him all that had been taken away. So whatever trial, whatever temptation that you may be facing, know that God's way of escape provides for you an end point. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, it may be your removal of your head and martyrdom. But you know what? That's okay. I remind you again, my, my oldest brother, uh, when he passed away last July, when he got ready to die as a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what he said, this is going to be the best day of my life. Live your life in such a way that when death comes knocking at your door, you can say those words. This is going to be the best day of my life. Now I realize to someone outside of Christ that sounds crazy. That sounds insane. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense. It's morbid even to them. And yet the reality of Scripture is for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. And we understand that. Number two, that definition is there is a successful outcome intended from the temptation or trial. Whatever trial that you are led into, it says there is an escape. That is, there's going to be a successful outcome. That's what God intends. Isn't that good news? It's not designed. You have a heavenly Father. You're not an, if, unless you're an unbeliever here today, if Christ is your Savior, the intended outcome of the trial or the temptation is for your good. It has a successful outcome to it. And you say, yeah, but I know my history. There have been times I have fallen flat on my face. Thank God for grace and forgiveness. And restoration. So that after you have failed. Remember Jesus said to Peter. You are going to deny me. But after you have returned. You will strengthen your brethren. Know that I have prayed for you. Even though it looked like total and absolute failure on its face. It was not. And God is... The one that can make it successful. Number three, there is always a way out of the trial or temptation. That's what this word also means. That God will, with the temptation, also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God has a way out for you. And again, it may be through it, but that's a way out of it. So that you don't fall under the burden of the trial or the temptation. Well, uh, I, I want to do something that I don't always do, and that is I'm not really going to teach the text itself, and that's what we normally do. I want to give you a five-fold process in which you and I can enter into God's rescue, okay? And I'm pulling from other places of Scripture, and so God has said he is able to rescue us. But I want us to see, though this text doesn't tell how that happens, there are other texts of Scripture that do tell us how that happens. And the first thing that I want to suggest to you, and by the way, since it's five-sided, I want you to think about this as your pentagon of defense. Okay? This is your pentagon of spiritual defense. How do I make it through and get rescued from my temptations or trials that I endure? Number one, you and I must repent of ungodly affections. Now realize that's not language you hear at, uh, at the grocery store. What does that mean? Repenting of ungodly affections. Well, you know what affections are. Those are things that you love. Things you long for. Uh, it, it's the passions that you have. It, it can go to the excess of being uh, uh, identified as insatiable. And that word means it can't be satisfied. It's something that you've got to have. You can see the kid in the, 
and the uh, drugstore and there's the row of candy and the kid is standing there saying, I've got to have that and he's stomping his little feet. If I don't have that, I'm not going on with you and I'm not ever going to do anything that you say. You've never done that. Your kid has never done that. But how, how do we do that sometimes spiritually? And say to even to ourselves, I, I will not be happy, I will not be satisfied unless, 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 unless. And that kind of, of wicked thinking is destructive to the point where we're warned in First John there is a sin that leads unto death, that God will ultimately say, I've just had enough out of you. You didn't grow up maybe with a Marine Corps dad like I did. But I can remember dad saying at times, because we were so disobedient and rebellious against him, he says, I'm going to half kill you. I've been half killed before. Uh, it was, he didn't abuse us. Okay, Great dad. Loving man. Loved us enough to get involved. And I want to tell you, God, God just says there are affections of our lives that we need to recognize. These are ungodly. They don't belong in the life and the heart of unbelievers. And the only way that you and I can get rid of them is to repent of them. And repentance is a, is a gift from God. It is a turning away. It's an act that we have in our heart and in our mind and in our wills. Where we say, Lord, I'm turning away from that. But Lord, I have to have your help. It must take the Holy Spirit of God to enable us to thoroughly repent of our sin. We oftentimes come to the spiritual altar of our lives and we say to God, I'm giving this over to you, knowing that in our minds our intent is we're going to pick it up soon after. We really haven't come to the point of repentance when we've done that. And God tells us in, uh, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 that... Uh, God, if perhaps God will grant us repentance. It's a, it's a gift from God. And so our plea needs to be to God, Lord, help me to repent of a godly sort. Not of a human sort, not of the way that I typically do. Of say, Lord, I really don't like the consequences. I don't like the guilt that this brings in my life. But Lord, it needs to go. It's like Jesus talking about, if you're right, I offend you. Do what with it? Cover it up. Right? No. Jesus. You know, the Jesus that the world loves. You know, Jesus is all love and he's all friendly and he's all kind. And Jesus says what? Pluck it out of your head. It's a horrible picture. Pull it out. Cast it into hell. It's better that you do that then your soul go to hell. There's a dramatic sense in which we need to repent. And uh, we need to repent of a godly sort. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, listen to what it says, The love of the Father is not in him, they're incongruous. They don't go together. They're oil and water. They do not mix. James asked the same question. He says, can salt water and fresh water come out of the same fountain? Because the mouth is the revealer of the heart. And at times it seems as if salt water is coming out. And at times it seems that fresh water is coming out. We can... We can say hurtful and harmful things to people at one moment and say kind and joyful and helpful things at other times. He says those don't go together. And it's true, and yet we all experience it. What do we do with it? We repent of it. We repent of it. Number two, we walk by faith in obedience to the Spirit. We walk by faith. Lord, I tried this before and it didn't work. <laughs> uh, who got in the way? 
I did. He is able to do what? Rescue the ungodly. And when it didn't happen in my life, it tells me that I wasn't truly walking by faith and obedience. If indeed I have repented of a godly nature. I just went to God and I said, well, I hope. But walk by faith and obedience to the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, but I say, walk in the Spirit and you will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. It, it's a word that means everywhere you go. Walk in the Spirit. Later in that chapter, he says again, walk in the Spirit. And then he means to walk in line with the Spirit every step. So the idea here is both, both together, and that is every step you take. That song, Every Move I Make, I Make in You, Jesus, just came to my mind when I was saying that. Every step that you take needs to happen in Jesus, okay? And by the Holy Spirit of God. And when you take every step by the Holy Spirit, what will you ultimately do? You will walk about everywhere you go in the Spirit of God. It is a walk of faith by obedience to the Lord. James 4.17 says, The one that knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. I know what to do, but I'm not doing what God said do. What's the problem? Well, let's call it what it is. We all have a sin problem, right? That's the bad news. What's the good news? God has a cure for our sin problem. And it is Jesus, and it is blood, and it is walking with Him and obedience to Him. And when I am not, it, reveal, it is revealed. It's just revealed. You can't hide it. The deeds of the flesh, Galatians 5 says, are self-evident. <laughs> They're self-evident. You can't hide them. I mean, you can try to. You can suppress it for a while, but eventually, what's going to happen? It's going to come out. Our standing in Christ is going to come out. And he says, repent of that. And secondly, walk by faith and obedience to the Spirit of God. Number three, cleanse and renew your mind with the Word of God. Cleanse and renew your mind with the Word of God. In Ephesians 5, we have this mixture of marriage and the church. Uh, both metaphors go together. A marriage is a picture of the church to the unbelieving world. Did you know that? That's what that text te teaches us. And uh, at the same time, it teaches us also how Christ is united with His church in the way that we are united with our spouse and the two become one flesh. And so they're kind of intertwined in there. And so it tells us, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify her, that is, set her apart wholly unto himself, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. Who's he talking about? Well, he's talking to husbands in regard to your wives, but he's also talking about Christ in regards to his church. How are we, the church, cleansed and washed? How are we renewed and made right again? It says, by the washing of the water of the Word. The Word of God. I, I look at the world system and I uh, am affected by it. And how do I get a, a proper understanding? I, I get wisdom from God through His Word. I know what God says. The great counsel that you and I need is found in the Word of God. And God gives us truths in the New Testament that are so solid and they're like anchors to the soul. And He gives us Old Testament stories that help us to know how to put them into practice on a regular basis. And so we see here Lot. And Lot is in a town and everything is going wrong for him. And yes, he chose to be where he is and he could have moved. But that was now his town, and he's in that town, and he's being tormented in his soul. There is a, a, a remorse about all the, that's going on around him, and yet God comes to Lot's rescue in the same way that he will come to your rescue. 
And what did Lot hear? He heard a word from God. He heard a word from God where God told Lot, you're mine. You're mine and you belong to me. You don't belong to Sodom. You don't belong to Gomorrah. Praise God. You're different. And the Lord is saying that to His children today. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. And you're not to think like this world system. And the only way you're not going to think like this world system is to be renewing your mind regularly through the Word of God. You, you and I, uh, uh, I, I don't know where you're planning to go for lunch today. Okay? But I bet you know. I bet just taking a moment right this very second, if you think about it, you know where you're going for lunch, right? Because I can almost guarantee, what are you getting ready to do? I mean, it's 11.21. Yay! It won't be long, and what will we be doing? We'll be walking out of here, and where will we be going? Lunch! Because every one of us in here, unless you've got something else that prevents you from doing it, what are you going to do? You're going to eat. Man, and I, I would just love to start naming off some wonderful things. Janet made some tiramisu for us for our anniversary the other day. And, uh, and, which is a, an Italian, uh, it's got uh, mascarpone in it, and it's got chocolate in it, and it's got some coffee flavor in it, and it's got some uh, f- lady fingers in it. And uh, I don't know what ladies she got those fingers from, but they sure were good. And she put all that together, and we ate it. And I told my mother about it. You know what my mother, my 97-year-old mother said? She said, man, I'd love to have some of that. So you know what I did? Being the very good and dutiful son that I am, I asked Janet to pick up some and, <laughs> and put it in a container. And uh, supper time was coming over at the assisted living where she was. And... Uh, I took it over there, and the other people sitting at the table there said, uh, boy, that looks good. How come I don't get some? And there's another, there's a man that sits, I I think he's about to become my mother's boyfriend. He's in his 90s, okay, and she keeps telling me, I sure do like Joe. And uh, (laughs) Joe sits at her table, and Joe looked over and said he would like to taste it. And you know what? He may be my mother's boyfriend because you know what she let him do? She let him taste it. (laughs) And he did. And uh, he tasted and saw that it was good, and he said, I'd like another bite. And she slapped his hand. (laughs) It was quite a comical thing. I enjoyed every moment of it. Uh... But she became very protective of her dessert at that moment because it was hers. And you can see that. You can see how somebody would just protect that and, and she, she ingested all of that and she called later and said how good that it was and, and she just had tasted and seen that it was good. And yet, what is our encounter with the Word of God? You've got the Bible with you. Whether you've got a physical Bible with you or not, I dare say you probably have it on how many different devices that you own. You have so much access to the Bible that it's, it, w- it would make the rest of the world so envious of you. People who have died to give their lives that you might, and I might have a copy of Scripture in our hands. And we take it for granted. The Word of God is there for us to sanctify us, cleanse us, and renew our minds, and yet we become negligent of it. We say, well, I really didn't get a whole lot out of it. Well, maybe you're taking too big of a bite. Maybe you take, need to take a smaller bite. Spend some time in a specific place of Scripture and you say, well, I'm reading through the Bible and reading through the Bible I do and it's a great thing to do, but maybe sometimes you just need to hang your hat on a spot where God is speaking to your soul and let, it, let yourself be marinated through what the Word of God is telling you and teaching you and you encounter the Lord and you want to became, become a new creation in Christ Jesus all over again because you've met with God. 
That's what God's wanting to lead us into doing. So cleansing and renewing our mind with His Word. Number four, and I've got to do these quickly now. Obey Jesus out of love by doing what He says. Now we talked about obedience just a moment ago, but, but here it's obeying Him out of love. Obeying Him out of love. Jesus said in John 14, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. How do I get out of this trial? Loving Him and obeying Him. Why do I say no to temptation? Out of love for Jesus. Out of love for Him. It can't be just duty. Duty causes us to die. It is in loving Him that we delight in what God has asked us to do. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode, our home with him. We will experience all of that. This past uh, week, I think it was, Alex Moore and I are are going through a book uh, by John Piper on Brothers We Are Not Professionals. And, and in that, he brings out the, the, uh, uh, the destructiveness of obeying God out of duty. Obeying God out of repaying God. And, and Piper bo- points out that if you're trying to repay God, the problem is all you do when you do that which is good and righteous is borrow more on the grace of God. Every good and precious work that we do in God's honor is by grace. And grace is a gift from God. And you can't outdo God. But what we do is we experience God's grace. And out of that with thankful and loving hearts we serve Him. Love has got to be the motivation. And thankfulness in our hearts has got to be the motivation of serving the Lord. And then lastly we need to pray for deliverance. There needs to be prayer. Matthew 6.13 in, the, in that uh, model prayer, Lord, lead us not into temptation. It's a prayer. God, I need a way out of this. How do we find it? We, we find it, yes, in His Word, but we find it through prayer, coming to God. You remember when Jesus left those disciples to pray for Him, and they fell asleep there in the Garden of Gethsemane? In Luke 22, he records it in verse 46. He says, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So why why am I so defeated in my Christian walk? Why, Why do I struggle so much? Why does it seem like trials get the better of me? Temptations, I have a hard time saying no to. Well, I want to challenge you with this. You see, defeating those and, and uh, killing those trials and temptations that come your way is not within you to accomplish. It is through Christ. It is the one who has overcome, who was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. Lord, I can't make it. I know I can't. I, I know my history. I know my past record. My record stands against me. But I need you. And really what it is, it's a fresh surrender of all that you are to all that he is. It's a coming to say to the Lord, Lord, I can't make it through this trial. I can't make it through this temptation. And I want to conclude with the words of the Apostle Paul when in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 he said, I have been crucified with Christ. I've died to an old life. I'm in union with Christ's death. When Christ died, I died. And I need to live in that. It is no longer me. It's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. And I'm now in a union with His life. So that His life and His righteousness and His faithfulness become mine. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, you have come to experience All of Him and all of you. But you don't experience it. I don't experience it unless I repent of my sin. I don't don't experience it unless I'm walking in obedience to what the Spirit of God is telling me to do. Unless the Word of God is continually washing my mind and my emotions and my thoughts so that I obey what God has to say. 
That there's a loving and faithful obedience unto the Lord rather than me trying to somehow please God. I can't do that. God was pleased to bruise Him. That's where the pleasure of the Father is, is on what Christ has done. You and I enter into that by faith through prayer. Through prayer. Coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I can't. And so what did God do? I, I love it. I love what he did for uh, Lot. The scripture tells us, And the morning dawned, and the angels urged Lot, and they said, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. And then notice what it says. But he, Lot, lingered. Lingered. He, he, he said, uh, Is this the right thing? Is this really what I want to do? Is this what I really want to happen in my life? He lingered. So the men did what? And the men are angels from the Lord. They seized him. Wow, I'm in the grip. I've got my grip on Christ. No, Christ has got his grip on you, praise God. And the angels seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand. And the Lord mercifully came unto them. And they brought them out and set them outside the city. You and I will not be happy in the city. Okay? The city of destruction. We've got to come outside of it. And as they brought them out, they said, escape for your life. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the valley. Escape. Lest the worst thing come upon you. May God lead us this morning. To walk by faith in Christ Jesus and Him alone. If you're not in Christ, there is no way out. There's no escape. There's destruction. And that's exactly what he says in 2 Peter. He holds into, unto judgment those who are living ungodly a life apart from Christ. But if you're in Christ, He has come to do what? Rescue you. Deliver you. And this morning, maybe the morning, you are ready by the Spirit of God, you're hearing His voice speak to your heart saying, Come unto me. Come to me. And I'll save you. I'll rescue you if you'll come to Christ. So in a moment, we're going to give an invitation. It's for some to come to faith in Christ. It may be for some to say, I need to renew or repent or restore whatever it is that's lacking in my walk with Christ. And it may be God's leading you to become a part of Faith Family Fellowship. But after we've prayed, we're going to have a song. And Pastor Matthew and I will be at the front to help you in following the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, we come to this moment in time thanking you again for a clear word from heaven. It's not the voice of the preacher, but it's the voice of the Spirit of God who has spoken to our individual hearts and lives. For, Lord, I don't know where anybody is, and only you know where we are. And your word has spoken to us today so that we would say yes. Yes and amen to Jesus Christ. So that Christ might be Lord of all. That we might escape through trials and temptations. That we will inevitably face this side of heaven. And Lord, especially the escape from an eternal consequence for our sin in a place called hell. And it is through the blood of Jesus Christ and His life in us. So help that one to come today to faith in Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?